Welcome to Douglas Wilson's Blog and May Blog, presented by Canon Press. Twenty-one theses on submission in marriage. One, the teaching of Scripture on this subject is perspicuous and plain. What God requires of us in our marital duties is taught in multiple places and not in obscure ways. Two, we live in a time when honest exegesis is routinely threatened with calumny, and there are frequently honors and rewards for dishonest exegesis. It should not be surprising that we are getting less and less of the former and more and more of the latter. Three, Natural revelation teaches us the natural submission of the wife to the husband. These realities are in our bones, and the revolt against them lies at the foundation of our current cultural madness. 4. The scriptural requirements are entirely consistent with this natural revelation. The God who created the world and who fashioned us in His image as male and female is the same God who inspired the writers of Scripture. Whenever natural revelation and special revelation appear to conflict, they do not ever contradict in fact. We should submit to the express words of God, and in this case, there is not even an apparent contradiction. 5. The Bible does not require a universal submission of women to men or the necessary submission of any given woman to any given man. The Bible requires women to be submissive to their own husbands, which is a protection against having to submit to men generally. Further, because no one can serve more than one authority, this scriptural teaching amounts to a prohibition of a woman submitting to other men. Nor does scripture require new absolute submission to her husband. No authority in this fallen world is absolute and includes the authority of a husband. When the authority of a husband turns rancid, a wife should receive the help of fathers, brothers, friends, and or elders to help her stand up against it. I have been involved in this sort of intervention more than once. 6. At the same time, in a healthy society, if wives are generally submissive to their own husbands, there will be a cheerful deference to the leadership of men generally, a reality to be welcomed and not resented. This is a deference to the fact of male leadership, not the quality of it. When male leaders are tyrants, fools, and scoundrels, godly women will have as much objection to it as godly men do. 7. The requirement of submission within marriage does not prohibit the occasional circumstance when a woman in civil society finds herself in a leadership role over men. Deborah, Esther, and Lydia come to mind. At the same time, when feminine leadership becomes widespread and common in a society, it is not a sign of progress at all, but is rather a sign of cultural decadence driven by male fecklessness. 8. In Christian theology, there is no tension between authority and submission on the one hand and essential equality on the other. God the Father is the eternal Father to the Son, and yet the Father and Son are equally the one true God. The husband is the head of his wife, and yet they are one flesh. Men and women stand on level ground when it comes to being created in the image of God, Genesis 1.27, when it comes to the fact of our fall into sin, 1 Corinthians 15.22, and when it comes to our position in Christ, Galatians 3.28. Men and women are clearly equal in these senses, and so the teaching of the Bible elsewhere on the submission of a wife to her husband means that submission to an equal is not an incoherent concept. 9. Women have a deep creational need to be loved and led, so that they might submit and follow, and men have a deep creational need to be respected and followed, and when these needs are thwarted or otherwise frustrated, the end result is deep unhappiness for both sexes. 10. At the same time, because of the curse that followed the fall, women have a deep resistance to dutiful submission, even though such submission would lead them into the joy and true satisfaction that comes from obeying God. It may or may not improve the marriage, depending on his sin issues, but it will most certainly improve her walk with God. 
The prophecy that her desire shall be for her husband was not speaking of romantic getaways, but rather predicting that there would be a struggle for mastery. So instead of trying to gain mastery over her husband, she should struggle to gain mastery over this besetting impulse within herself. 11. The Bible does not teach husbands to enforce the requirement that was given to their wives. Since true submission is a matter of the heart, rendered by grace through faith, a husband does not have the capacity to make this happen. His first task is therefore to love his wife as Christ loved the church. He is to lead by example. 12. The fact that husbands cannot mandate or manufacture this does not make it any less mandatory. Wives are to be submissive to their own husbands in everything. The marriage service rightly includes a vow for the bride to obey her husband. 13. The relation of head and body is a constant relation, one that does not come and go. It is not the case that the husband has mere tie-breaking authority. 14. Liberty for Christian wives cannot be enjoyed outside of their appointed sphere. A woman who rejects her obligation to love, honor, and obey is like a bird who has thrown away the constraints of having wings. 15. Submission is an erotic necessity. The abandonment of this basic marital responsibility is the cause of much unhappiness and has also been a cause of the resultant pursuit of erotic delusions offered by multiple partners or by various perversions. 16. Submission practiced poorly does not discredit those who practice it well, and neither does it vindicate those who do not attempt it at all. And conversely, the decision to accept the Bible's teaching on this subject does not obligate one to defend the many appalling things that are done in the name of following the scriptural pattern. A math student who does all his problems wrong and the student who refuses to do them at all have far more in common with one another than they do with the student who did his assignment properly and turned it in on time. 17. The liberation of women was a false flag operation. The true goal was the liberation of libertine men. And in our day, this was a goal that has largely been achieved. These were men who wanted the benefits for themselves that would come from easy divorce, widespread abortion, mainstream pornography, and a promiscuous dating culture. The early 20th century was characterized by the Christian wife. The early 21st century is characterized by the tattooed concubine. And these sons of Belial have the chutzpah to call it progress for women. 18. The general dominance of men over women is inescapable, and so this means that when godly rule, via submission in the home, is relegated to the margins, it will be replaced by an ungodly domination over women everywhere else. We cannot succeed in placing men and women on the same footing, but the attempt to do so can most certainly result in Bruno taking his showers at the YWCA. 19. The God who gives us our commands is the same God who designed and created us. His commandments are therefore good, righteous, and true, and they fit perfectly within the creation order. As wives seek to learn how to live these principles out, they are trying to overcome sin. They are not trying to overcome their nature. Rather, they are growing up into their true nature, which is the only liberation that matters. 20. Submission that is invisible is not really submission at all. As submission is cultivated in the home, it needs to be expressed. It cannot exist as a set of hidden resolves or good intentions. Respect must be verbalized, and the demeanor of submissive deference must be plain to everyone in the home. 21. For each one of these theses, there is, of course, a corresponding set of responsibilities for the men. Not only so, but the failure of men to conform to God's pattern has been more spectacular than the failures of women. But I'm not listing those responsibilities here because we live in a time such that whenever submission is mentioned, we rush to explain, qualify, contextualize, and otherwise assure the world what we don't mean.
We explain away feminine responsibilities today far more readily than we do with responsibilities for men, and this is part of the false flag move, which consistently lets men off the hook. If wives don't have to follow, then men don't have to lead. We have done this so much that scarcely anyone knows anymore what we do mean by submission. So I'm just going to say that the Bible teaches submission for wives, and it is a glorious thing. If you are enjoying these videos and would like to support this channel and the work of Canon Press, join up at Canon Plus. Just click the link, create an account, and have a look around.